We have been studying the different benefits that Simha brings to a person's life. Again, it might be obvious, as we've mentioned, that Simha is something that we want. But it's a lot more than what we think. And our job in the beginning is to see the different benefits. Today we're going to be focused on a specific midah that Simha is able to bring into our lives in the most positive way. Simha has a way of bringing energy to a person. It brings life into a person. It brings freshness to a person. Simha is like an engine that is the source of energy that doesn't stop. I have to read for you what the Maharhu writes in the name of his rabbi, the Ariza. Over there he's discussing what he calls Yesod Ha'afar, which means the dirt. He says, as you know, humans, the human body is made from dirt, literally. That's why when someone calls somebody a piece of dirt, it's true. Not a, that's not an exaggeration. We are all a piece of dirt. Every part of our body is just dirt that was made into bones, into skin, into eyes, into a heart. Like it says in the Pasuk, we come from the dirt and we go back to the dirt. We don't just go back to the dirt, we go back to become dirt. Says the, says the Arizal, being that our makeup is afar, is dirt, so he says, dirt has a midah. Interesting, I didn't know that dirt had a midah, but he says it has a midah. He says, the characteristic of dirt, he calls it, is atzbut. Atzbut means the opposite of simha. Sadness. Vetoldoteha ahad. And one of the ramifications, one of the results of atzbut, he says, he ha'atzlut. Atzlut means lazy. So here we go. Ready? We have afar. Afar, by its nature, is heavy. It brings atzvut. It brings the lack of simha. And a lack of simha brings atzlut, laziness. We're very familiar with laziness. So many things in our lives come up and we like to push them off. If the project is due next week, 
So I have plenty of time. Why should I do it now? If I could do it tomorrow, why do I do it now? I'll clean up soon. How many times have you told your son or your daughter, could you clean that up? Of course. They'll never get a no. 100%. Soon. Right? I'll get up five more minutes. The snooze button, right, is an unbelievable tool of laziness. It's not that I don't want to get up. Of course I want to get up. Just five more minutes, which becomes 10 minutes, which becomes hours. How many people put their alarm clock at a certain time and never in their life ever woke up at that time? That is the power of laziness. Atzlut. I once had a, a young man that I knew who didn't look very interested in anything that was going on in yeshiva. So I asked him, what's with you? You look very disinterested. Do you think there's no value here to anything that's going on? You go to this class, you don't look interested. You walk out of that class, you don't look interested. What's with you? Don't you think... I said, don't you, aren't you going to send your children to school also? There's value here. He says, Rabbi, of course I do. I do. He says, but I'm just lazy. Okay, he's an honest boy. I said, did you ever think that you have to work on your laziness? He says, Rabbi, of course not. He says, I'm lazy to work on it. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, it's funny, but it's the truth. When you're lazy, you can't even work on laziness. There's nowhere to start. Says the Arizal that the reason why we are lazy is because we lack simha. He says, Ve'eno sameach behelko beshum davar a person who's frustrated, he says, with different things and different challenges. When you're frustrated and you're not sameach, so automatically you go back to your afar state and you become lazy. So there you have it. To tell a lazy person not to be lazy is a waste of time. It's like telling a human not to live. A human by nature is lazy because we are afar, we're dirt. Now you need an engine in order to turn the afar on. The engine is called simha. If you have simha, you take the dirt that you live with and you make it move. You make it light. That's why the pasuk says, Yaakov Avinu, we're going to learn in a few weeks from now, was running away from Isab. He left his parents, he left his city, Obviously worried where he's going to end up. He's going to Lavan, not a great host. And the Pasuk says that he had this unbelievable dream. The famous dream of Yaakov. Where amongst other things, Hashem promises him, imach. He tells Yaakov, I am with you. Ushmarticha bechol asher telech. I will watch over you. Afterwards, the Pasuk says, Vayisa Yaakov Raglav, 
Yaakov raised his feet. Vayelech Arza Benekedem. And he traveled to the east. Our rabbis ask, what does that mean? That Yaakov raised his feet. Obviously, if you walk somewhere, you have to raise your feet. You can't walk without moving your feet. Comes Rashi Alava Shalom and says that when Meshenit Baser Besoratova, when Yaakov heard the good news, Shehuftah Bishmira, that he was assured Hashem will watch him, he was very excited. Imagine a person is in a very difficult predicament. They're struggling with something. They don't know what's going to be. They're nervous. They lose their energy. And then someone comes and gives you a pat on the back and says, Don't worry. I know for a fact it's going to be fine. It's all good. Doctor comes out and says, The test was fine. It's fine. It's just a cold. You're good. Wow. What happens? Says, the, says Rashi, Nasa libo et raglav. Which means his good spirits... They carried his feet. He became light on his feet in order to walk. That's what it means. Yaakov was able to carry his feet. He couldn't do that before. When he became Sameah, from the good news, he was able to move. We see the connection between Simha and Zerizut. And being zealous. The Pasuk says in Parashat Matot that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu there's one more thing he needs to do in his life before it's time to die. He tells him, Nekom Nikmat Bene Yisrael Me'et Hamidyanim. You need to go to war against Midian to take revenge against that nation. And when, after you finish the war, Ahar te'asef el amecha, you're ready to leave the world. This is your last mission. So I don't know about you, if Hashem would give me that mission, if the next prize would be a new car, I'm ready to go. But if the prize of my next mission is death, so you know what I'm doing? Take my time. No problem. Whenever we finish the war, then he dies. Pasuk says, Moshe He told them, get ready to go to war. Says Rashi Alava Shalom, pay attention. Af Alpi Shemitato Even though he heard that his death depends on going to war. Asa, listen to these words. I'm bringing it for these words. Asa besimha. He did it with happiness. Velo iher. He did not delay. Question. Where does it say in the Pasuk that he did it with happiness? All it says is that he didn't delay. Hashem told him. Immediately, he told the people, let's go. We're going to war. That's beautiful. That's great. Where did Rashi find that Moshe was happy doing it? Maybe he was sad. Maybe he was very upset. 
How did Rashi know that? We see in the story the commandment of Hashem and Moshe's immediate reaction. That we see. But the fact that he said, Rashi said, that he was Sameach, where did Rashi get that from? The answer is Rashi knows what we're talking about today. Rashi knows what the Arizal writes. That if you see a person who's acting with zealousness, with zrizut, if you see a person who's light on their feet, going to do something, there has to be simha in what they're doing. It cannot be they're not sameach, especially if they're doing a commandment like this, where there is a ending of their life coming up. Says Rashi, Allah shalom, his simha was able to carry him to do it quickly. That's why when a person is happy, generally when people are happy, they like to dance. People don't dance by funerals. People don't dance when they hear bad news. It's not the human reaction. But when people are celebrating, there's a wedding, someone comes home and says good news, people are jumping. Why are you jumping? It's obvious to us because that's what we do all the time. But how did it come that way? Maybe, God forbid, when you hear bad news, you should start jumping and crying. How come we don't jump to cry? We only jump when we're happy. Because when a person is happy, you hear good news, it's the engine that turns on. When the engine turns on, all of a sudden you feel this energy that's coming. And you just need to do something. So you jump. Simha and energy and zirizut is all one group that comes together. This midah of zerizut. You might sit there right now and say, okay, so today you came to tell us that if a person has simha, he has this great advantage that they become zealous. They become light on their feet. They become energized. But what's so important about being energized? Why do I need to be energized? What does it matter if I do things quickly or I take my time? What does it matter if I do things now or I do them in a half hour from now? What does it matter if I wake up now or I wake up later? I mean, how much does Zerizut really matter? You're telling me that the reason why I should work on my Simha is because Simha is going to bring me Zerizut. But guess what? I don't really know why I need to be so zariz. I like walking slow. I like waking up late. I like taking my time. I don't like to move so much. I don't need some half of that. So let me tell you a few different important points about this midah called zerizut. Comes David Melech, and we know how great David Melech was. Today is not the class to discuss all of his accomplishments. But when he talks to Hashem about himself, you know what he says? Derech mitzvotecha arutz. Which means, Hashem, 
<clears throat> you know me. I'm loyal to you. What do I do to show my loyalty? So I would say, just you follow the mitzvot. How would a Jew today stand up and say, ask, are you a loyal Jew? And you'll say, yeah, I think so. What makes you loyal? And you'll say, what do you mean? I keep Shabbat. I pray. I eat kosher. I raise my children for Kedushah and Tara. I do mitzvot. What does that mean? Of course I'm loyal. David Melech doesn't say that. David Melech does not stand up to say that my loyalty to you, Hashem, my loyalty to this relationship is the fact that I do what you tell me. Although that would have been great. Comes David Melech and teaches us a hidush. Not only in service of Hashem, but in relationships in general. The fact that you do what somebody says is not enough of a reason to get up and be proud. Says David Melech, Derech mitzvotecha arutz. It's not the mitzvot that I do that makes me and you have a special relationship. It's the fact that I do it arutz. Arutz means I rush. The word rush in English comes from the word ratz. Arutz. David Melech says, when I do something for you, I don't do it slowly. I rush to do it. That is not, like I mentioned, just because it's Hashem. This is actually the litmus of any good rela relationship. A marriage. A person could do many things for his wife, or vice versa. But it's not that alone that shows the loyalty and the love. It's the energy that the person is going to put in, into whatever they're doing. It's not when you serve your guests that makes really the biggest difference, although it's beautiful. It's chesed. But real chesed is measured by the energy that you're putting in to your guests when they come into your home. It's something that we see throughout the Torah. David al-Melech, by the way, says elsewhere, very important to know this. He says, Hashti velo hitmahmati. The word hashti means that I hurried and I didn't delay. So our rabbis ask, if a person hurries, then obviously he didn't delay. Why does he have to say, I hurried and I didn't delay? It's obvious. So the answer is there's two types of hurrying. There's a person who leaves something to the last minute and he realizes, oh, I'm late. I gotta hurry. And there's a person who at the first moment rushes to do what they need to do. Says David Melech, Hashti, I rush to do what's good. I rush to do what's right. It's not because I delayed. I rush because that's the first opportunity that I have. That's what I do. They asked Rechaim Kanievsky, 
An interesting question. We know that by kosher animals, in order to be kosher, you have to have what's called ma'alat gera. Ma'alat gera means the animal chews its cud. So you'll forgive me for being a little explicit, but it basically means that the animal chews on the food, then the food goes down to the stomach. Now me and you, after we chew, we did our work, we're done. We got the taste out, we got everything we want, the food goes on its way, and we wish him goodbye. <laughs> but by the kosher animals, it doesn't work like that. After the animal chews and chews and chews and tastes and enjoys and whatever it gets, the food goes. After the food goes, it comes back up to the mouth again. And the animal has to again take the food that it already chewed on to break it down further after the mouth and the stomach. And then again, it goes back for a second time. So they asked the great rabbi, why is that important in a siman kashut? What is, that? what is the difference if the animal, to me, and you, it sounds like it's actually more uh, disgusting. Maybe you get the animals who only have to chew once. What's the idea of chewing twice? So he says brilliantly, look what he says. I don't know where he got this from. I don't know if he's quoting somebody. He says... He says, a lazy person would not chew a second time. He says, for an animal to chew again, after you already chewed for so long, and you got all the taste out, now there's nothing left. What are you chewing on? You have to be zariz. You have to have the midah of zarizut to be able to chew again. Anybody who learns in yeshiva, or even you go to classes. You know, if you heard this class right now for the first time, so you might say it's enjoyable. It's new information, new ideas. But what if I told you to go to the class again? And this time, write down all the notes, and you should do all the review. It's much harder to review. You learn a piece of Gemara. The first time you learn it, it's exciting. There's a question, there's an answer. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, wow, look at that, how that fits well. That's easy. But now, if you really want to own it, you have to do what they call hazara. You got to go and review once, twice, three, four, five times. Sometimes you have to review a hundred times. But there's nothing more difficult than reviewing. It's like taking old food and just chewing on it. It's hard to do that. You feel there's less enjoyment. In the end, you get the, the best of what you learned. But it's a little harder, a, a much harder work. Says Rukhaim, this is the Midah Tahara. When you have the Midah of Zerizut to chew again. And in truth, when we look throughout the Torah, we'll find this theme again and again. The Torah has this way of highlighting for us. You know, there's a big story with so many details. We would write perhaps an entire book on Abraham Avinu and his chesed. But Hashem just picks some important points to share with us. Look 
How many times in the Pasuk? We're going to be reading it this week, Be'ezrat Hashem. When he saw the three men coming, the Pasuk says, Vayar, and he saw them. Vayarots likratam. The Torah made a point to tell you, he didn't just go to them. He ran to them. He rushed to them. Torah says again, Vayimaher Avraham ha'ohel. He rushed back to the ohel, to the tent. Vayomer, he tells Sarah, Mahari. Mahari means, Hurry. Shelosh se'im. Let's call it three pounds. Mahari. Hurry three pounds. When Rabbi asks, you don't hurry three pounds. You can't hurry three pounds. You can hurry a person to take three pounds. But how could you hurry three pounds? Mahari shelosh se'im. The three pounds can't be hurried. You have to tell them. It should say, Mahari, ukhi, and take three pounds. So the answer is that Abraham was so zariz, he didn't even have time to say the obvious words. Mahari shelosh se'im, yalla, three se'im. He's not even saying the full sentences because he wants to get going with the needs of the people who are waiting. Again, Ve'el habakar rats Abraham. Abraham didn't go to get bakar. Could you imagine? You're doing something amazing for your guests. You're going to slaughter cows for them. Already you feel like you're in a cloud. Abraham doesn't say, oh, I'm doing a great thing. Let me take my time. He rushes. The Torah is telling you, this is a very important factor. He gave the young boy, Everything is being done. Torah points it out five or six times, right in that same story. Everybody's rushing. What happened by the Akedah? Go slaughter your son. Very difficult day for Abraham. What does he do? He wakes up early in the morning. Halabai wish he wake up early in the morning for a regular day. He's waking up early in the morning for a difficult day. Because Abraham doesn't take it slow. He goes quickly to do what he needs to finish. By Maher Moshe. Moshe hurried. Again, the Torah tells us time and time again. By Menu. Comes Eliezer. He wants to see who this girl is. Again, the Torah says, Vatemaher. She rushed. Twice it says Vatemaher. Vatarot. She rushed. Vatarot Sanara. Again, the Torah highlighting the greatness of these people. The greatness of a great person is more than his action. A great husband is a person not only who does, but who does with energy. There's a very big difference. Me and you might say, come on, what's the big deal? I mean, okay, you do something with a little more energy or a little less energy. You wake up early in the morning or not so early. It's like we think it's extra credit. That's how we look at it. But the Torah is telling you it's not like that. Because the Torah keeps pointing again and again. If you're doing things without zirizut, there's something missing in what you're doing. It's not that you're just not doing it quickly. It's not the act was done perfectly, but it was done slowly. It's not like that. It's a whole different act. When your son or daughter do, do what you ask them with energy and excitement and quickly, it's a different son, it's a different daughter. I don't care that the other one did it also the same way. 
but an hour later or 30 minutes later. It's not the same action. It may look the same, but nowhere near is one to the other. And you know what the Torah points that out? Besides, it keeps reminding us, pay attention, he ran to the Bakar, pay attention, Mahari, Torah is saying, pay attention to this. This is quite important. This is who these great people are. But in case you missed it, comes the Torah and Parashat Vayakhel and makes it extremely clear. They were in the Midbar, 12 tribes. Each one had a Nasi. A Nasi is what we would call the president. The president of each tribe, these were very Hashu people, they were well-to-do people, and they were the leaders of that tribe. When it came to the donations that Moshe Rabbeinu asked them, he came, Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, Zehadavar, he spoke to all of Am Yisrael. He told them, this is what Hashem asked me to tell you. Each person, go home and see what you can give to the building of the Mishkan. This was the first campaign to build something from hours of Kiddushah. The first campaign in Jewish history was this one. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, guys, go home and see what you can give to the donation, to, as a donation to the building of the Mishkash. The Pasuk says, all of them left. They brought back each one. One guy brought gold, one guy brought silver, one guy brought whatever they brought. In the end, as it lists what each one brought, in the end of that parashah, it says, Vehanesi'im. And what did the presidents bring? So it says they brought certain stones that they had, certain precious stones. But if you look at the word nesi'im, there's something missing in that word. Usually, the word nasi is spelled nun, sin, yud, aleph. That's called nasi. But in this pasuk, for some reason, it's missing the yud. It's actually missing two yuds. They are nesi'im. There's no yud after the sin, and there's no yud after the aleph. That's unusual. Come Hazal and ask, what happened? First of all, why are they in the end? Usually, when the presidents give money, they're the ones that are first. Go to any campaign. Who do they mention first? They mention the people who went first, who gave the most. They start with the guy who gave a million dollars, the guy gave half a million, the guy gave 10,000, 5,000, 2,000. That's how it works. Torah lists whatever people gave. And the Nesi'im, although they gave precious stones, they are mentioned in the end. Why are they in the end? And why are they missing some letters to their name? This is the question that Hazal asks. It's a Midrash. That's why, by the way, Hazal asked, when it came to the inauguration of the Mishkan, 
they came first. Each one brought their gifts, they were first. Each day, one brought a gift. Like we read in Parashat Naso, where the Torah repeats each time the gift. That was by the inauguration. But here, they were in the end. So Hazal asked what happened to their name, and why are they in the end? And Hazal answered, listen to this. This is a rabbi's or institution's dream. When they went, who they go first to? When they were collecting money, they went to the presidents. They're the most hashu, the most influential, perhaps the wealthiest. And they said, okay, we have a campaign. We're building the Mishkan. We need your help. What would you commit to give to the building of the Mishkan? So listen to their answer. They said, we're not going to give you anything right now. You go collect from everybody. And whatever is missing, we guarantee, we will give the difference. This is unbelievable. What, a, what an answer. This is a dream. Ask any organization. Is there a better answer than that? You go to your first customer, and he tells you, right now I'm not giving you. You collect whatever you can, and whatever is left, I will give the rest. That's what the Nesi'im told Moshe Rabbeinu. Sounds great. Hashem says, you guys go in the end, and there's something missing in what you did. It's not just, you didn't do it right. Something is missing from your name. You're not complete because of what you did. Even though it sounds great, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because in life, when you have a chance to do something, you do it now. If they need you again later, great. Step up later. But you do not say, let's wait till tomorrow. I guess for a few obvious reasons. Reason number one, who said you're going to be here tomorrow? I'll be here tomorrow. Who can guarantee that tomorrow they'll be here? We have no idea. What are you waiting till tomorrow as if you're here forever? And second of all, maybe they're going to give everything and they don't need you. And you lost your zechut to give. So therefore, it sounds nice what they said. Maybe they had good intentions, but Hashem did not approve. He took a yud off the name. You guys are incomplete. This is not the way you do things. Something comes to you, you do it as soon as you can. I'm going to read for you a Midrash. The Midrash says, I'm not going to get into the details, but basically the Midrash says that Hashem, when it came to Matan Torah, He gave Am Yisrael the greatest gift. The blueprint of this world was given to us, our people, and Har Sinai. Hashem made sure this gift would stay only to us he went around to all the nations and then he came to us that we should have this gift only to ourselves. It should be shalem. What was the zechut, says the Midrash, that Am Yisrael got their Torah to be theirs, says the Midrash, Ve'el habakar ratz Abraham. 
So if you ever wondered why we have the Torah, why Am Yisrael is unique, that we got the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, tell them, Ve'el habakar ratz Abraham. Specifically, that Abraham ran, he rushed. This is why we receive the Torah. You should know that this midah of zerizut goes beyond religion. It's not only about mitzvot. It's not only about kindness. It's about everything in life. Shilomo HaMelech perhaps says it best. Here are the words of Shilomo HaMelech in Mishle. Describing the lazy man. Me'at shenot. See if this describes anyone that you know. Me'at shenot means a little more sleep. Me'at tenumot. A little more dozing. Me'at hibuk yadaim lishkav. You know, you sit on your couch and you're comfortable and you're warm and all is good. And then you have to go do something. A little more time. Half time. Half time. Good. Me'at hibuk yadaim lishkav. A little more of folding your hands. Uba says Shalomo Melech. This is the recipe of disaster in life. Uba kim halech reshecha. Like a traveler. All of a sudden he walks into a hotel. They weren't expecting him. Your poverty will come quickly. Umahsorecha keish magen. You will be a person who's lacking. Which means that if you want to survive and to succeed in this world, you can't wake up late. You can't be lazy. You're not going to make it. You have to be energized to go to work. You have to work hard. You have to do the best that you can in everything that you do, whether it's in your studies, whether it's in your business, whatever it is you're involved in. Zerizut is a midah, says Shalom HaMelech, that's going to help you in life, not only when you're in your Torah and mitzvot. That's why the Midrash says, very interesting Midrash, the Midrash says, by the story of Shimshon. So many of you are familiar with the story. Shimshon's mother was barren. His father was Manoah. One time, the Malach came to his mother, without his father there, and told his mother that you're going to have a child, but he's going to be a Nazir. He can't be a regular kid. Okay, no problem. Anyone who doesn't have a child is happy to take any kind of child. She says, for sure, no problem, Nazir. When her husband hears that a Malach came to his wife, he got nervous. He says, Did he, maybe there's more details. Maybe we don't know what to do with this kid. So he prayed that the Malach should come back and talk to him to see exactly what they need to do. The Pasuk says, when he came back, the Malach came back to the woman. She was in the field. Her husband wasn't there. No good. What did she do? The woman ran. She rushed. She ran. 
to tell her husband, quickly, come, he's here. Comes the Midrash and says, from this Pasuk we learn, the words of the Midrash are, that kol ma'asehem shel tzaddikim bimhirut. You see from this Pasuk, that great people, they do things quickly. They don't wait. The obvious question is, we have to go to Parashat Shoftim to get this message? We just, I just read you Pesukim in all of the Torah by Abraham, by, by Rivka, by Moshe, and more. Only when you get to the Navi in Shoftim, when this woman rushes back to her husband, now you learned about Tzaddikim, how they do things with excitement and in a rush? Why is this the source? The answer is, the other ones were doing a mitzvah. You might think, oh, this is a rizut business. That's when you're doing mitzvot. Why are you going to give charity? Hurry up! You're going to pray? Quick! You're going to learn? Rush! You're going to class? Do it! You're cooking Friday night dinner? Mitzvah! But what about regular things, like regular items? Not mitzvot. Says the Midrash, from this pasuk you see that zerizut is a midah of a human being. And a midah is something that's done always. Midot are with us wherever we go. So if you have zerizut, you have it always. And the example is this one. She wasn't going to do a mitzvah. The malach is waiting. He came to talk to her husband. She could tell her husband, listen, when you finish, or she could have went slowly, excuse me, to go tell him. But this woman was a righteous woman. She was a great woman. And great people, no matter what they do, they will do it quickly. That means the next time, me and you have something to do. We have to ask ourselves, are we, from those people who are great, because if we are, we have to do things at the first opportunity. Don't ask yourself, if I could do it tomorrow, why do it now? The question of a great person is, if I could do it now, why wait till tomorrow? It's a very big difference. That's what a great person lives with. When they have a chance to go visit somebody, they go now. They don't go tomorrow. If you can't go, you can't go. If you have something to do for your home, do it now. Don't wait till later. If you have a message to deliver, call now. It's a midah that's with us throughout our lives. Of course, the lazy one in us always has good excuses. Shilomo HaMelech says, you have to know, Don't think anybody who's lazy is going to tell you that they're lazy. He says, no. The atzel, the lazy person, in his eyes, he is as wise, you put the seven gedolei ador in front of him, in his eyes, in what he's doing, he'll show you how he knows better 
and what he's doing is right. He'll give you all kinds of reasons why he can't wake up early. He'll tell you, listen, if you don't rest, what's your day going to look like? I need to gather my energy. I need to sleep later so I can work harder, so I can work better. And many such excuses. Bottom line, atzlut is a sickness that great people have found the way to get rid of it. Great people have the vaccine to get rid of atzlut. If you think COVID is a sickness, atzlut is the worst sickness. Because if you're lazy, you know what the hachamin tell us? That if there's one midah, the first, let's say you have zero midot. Your midot are zero, 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 zero. Not so good. You have a little child, right? A little child. His midot are not really such quality yet. He gets angry. He's very selfish. Doesn't do things right. Okay, he's got a lot of issues. What should be the first midah that I should acquire? If I had a choice, and it was up to me, and if it's my child, and I want to give him a midah to start with, there's so many good midot. There's humility, there's patience, there's kindness, there's emet. So many beautiful midot out there. But what's the first one that you need to give? The first one is called zirizut. Not the most important one, but the first one. Why? Because if you don't have this one, you'll never have any of the other ones. A child who's not motivated, a child who's not energetic, a human who is lazy, is not able to acquire anything good. The most important gift we can give our children The most important gift we can give our children and ourselves is to practice the Midah of Zerizut. It is the opening door. It is the door opening to everything good in life. And today we're learning that when you see a lazy person, do not bother calling him lazy. Because we're all lazy. This person is lacking simha. And the source of it all is that simha that we need to work on. If you have a happy child, you're going to have an energetic child. They go together. It's one and the same. How critical zerizut is, if you're not yet convinced, I'm going to give you one more. The pasuk says, where is the source in the Torah that when you have something good to do, make sure you don't delay. Make sure you do it quickly. Where is that source? The Pasuk says, Ushmartem Ushmartem et hamatzot. When it talks about making matzah, says the Torah, be very careful. 
When you make the matzah, be zariz, ushmartem, watch it, that it doesn't become hametz. Hachamim come and say, let's have a play on words a little bit, the word matzot is spelled exactly like the word mitzvot. So they say from here, not only you have to watch the matzot, ushmartem et ha-mitzvot. Hazal say, mitzvah haba'a le'yadcha, you have something good to do. Alta hamitzena. Don't let it become hametz. If you leave the matzah and you let it sit, it turns into hametz. So when you have something good to do, don't delay. Don't let it become hametz. Do it quickly. Can I ask you a question? Why is this the right source? This as we just saw, zerizut is something that we need everywhere. In every mitzvah, in every human interaction, in every chesed, in everything that we do, we need zerizut. So out of all the possible things that we need to do with zerizut, why is the matzah the one chosen as the representative that we should learn from the matzah. You could have learned from anything. The Torah could have said this by any halakha. Why was the matzah chosen as the source for all of zerizut? The answer is as follows. Something very interesting about matzah and hametz. It's an amazing, really, concept. Usually, when something is kosher, and something is not kosher. They're very different things. You have a hazir, not kosher. You have a para, a cow, it's kosher. Things that are good and not good have a clear difference. When it comes to hametz and matzah, so actually the ingredients, the ingredients of hametz and matzah are exactly the same. It's water and flour. The difference between them is only time. There's no difference. By matzah, if you ever go to a factory where they make matzot, so they're just busy. They don't leave that dough. They put the water in there with the flour and they don't leave it alone until it bakes. They're on it. There's no time to let the flour and water just sit. You can't let it sit. If you let it sit, it becomes hametz. That's the whole difference. The same ingredient. And what's amazing is, if you eat matzah and Pesach, you're doing a mitzvah deoraita, ba'erev tochlu matzot. You have done a beautiful mitzvah from the Torah. Eating matzah lel pesach. We make a beracha, asher kiddeshanu be mitzvah, it's al achilat matzah. And God forbid you eat hametz. 
Hamet has with it one of the worst punishments in Judaism. If you eat Hamet on Pesach, it's karet. It's one of the worst punishments. That's why everybody's careful on Pesach. Even you'll find people not so careful in many other mitzvot. Pesach, everyone knows. Even hachamim were extra strict on Pesach. The amount of cleaning and the amount of care that we take on Pesach. Why? Because hametz is a serious issue. Could you imagine? What's the difference between a mitzvah of matzah and the karet of hametz? You know the difference? It's a moment. One moment of delay. You know why Hashem chose that one? To represent all of our zrizut? To show you the difference between doing something slowly. Take your time. Tomorrow. Delay. And doing it quickly is the difference of hametz and matzah. It's not just a little better. It's not just, wow, so nice. If a person eats matzah instead of hamet, they don't say, oh, wow, it's less better. Oh, it's so good like that. No, no. If you ate hamet, it's a disaster. The difference between a person who does things with rizut and one who doesn't is the difference of hamet and matzah. Don't think it's a small difference. Shalom Melech says this in his words in Mishlet. Listen to these words. Gam mitrape bimlachto, which means also a person who is lax in his work. Ahu le baal mashhit. He is the brother. Of the master of destruction. I don't know who the master of destruction is. But he doesn't sound like a very good guy. He's the master. He doesn't just destroy. He's the master of destruction. Says Shalom HaMelech. The lazy man is his brother. You might say, oh that guy he destroys. He takes an axe and destroys. All day he's destroying. That guy is lazy. He's not hurting anybody. Says Shalom is not like that. A lazy man is as destructive as the mashhit, as the guy who's doing it with his own hands. Because it all comes back to the same place. That's why the Gemara says, there's a story. There is a halakha, one is not allowed to run on Shabbat. Shabbat is a day of menuha. It's a day of rest. So therefore a person who's running, can walk on Shabbat, but to run on Shabbat, that's considered breaking the menuha of Shabbat. So one is not allowed to run on Shabbat. There's also halakha, that when you're going to Bet Knesset, you're supposed to run. So, question is, what happens if you're walking to the Bet Knesset on Shabbat? So it says in the Gemara, Amar Abizera, Meresh hava This is in the beginning. Yeah, first. When I used to see Talmidei Hachamim on Shabbat running to the Shi'ur, running to the Bet Knesset. 
Amena, I would say, I can't believe it. These people are Mehalel Shabbat. What are they doing? It looks like they're doing a good thing. They're running to Shul. But the Mehalel Shabbat. It's supposed to have Menuhan Shabbat. What are they doing? He says, but once I learned what Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, that a person is supposed to run to the Bet Knesset, even on Shabbat, he says, I started to run with them. So the Maharal says, what happened over here? What did he think before? What did he think after? He says, before, he was thinking that, okay, listen, you're going to shul, that's the mitzvah. You have to run. You don't have to run. So if you don't have to run, you have menuhav Shabbat, you could keep Shabbat, and you don't need to run, and you'll still get to the Bet Knesset. So then he realized that running is not just another part to get to the Bet Knesset. Going to the Bet Knesset when you run is a different Bet Knesset. It's actually part of the mitzvah. It's not a side point where you can go to shul and you can be menuhah. You can't go to shul. If you're running to shul, it's a different kind of shul. If you're excited to go to shiur, when you came here today, if you left with excitement and you rushed to get here, it's a different kind of shiur. Then if you walked in, one step, two steps, easy, coming, doesn't work. The Torah points out by Rivka. Listen to this. I mentioned this before, but I rushed. So I was being zariz. <laughs> Actually, no. You know, there's a very big difference between being impulsive and rushing. When we speak about rushing, we must be careful not to rush into the wrong places. Sometimes we don't think and we rush in the wrong way. We don't mean that. You know, there's a Hafez Hayim, there's a famous story. But at the end of his life, he wanted to make Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. And when the people heard that the Hafez Hayim is leaving them, that was a big downer. They tried to convince him, they tried to talk to him. His mind was set, he's making Aliyah, he's going to Eretz Yisrael, he got the papers, he got his passport, he got everything, he was ready. Whatever he needed to do, he did. And then, Lo Alenu, his wife got very sick. So he gave up on the whole plan, he took his passport, threw it out, finished, he's not going. There's another story that Hafez Haim also famous, that he... As we know, the Hafez Haim, more than anything probably that he ever did, even greater than the book Hafez Haim on Lashon Hara, is his work called Mishnah Berurah. He compiled Mishnah Berurah halachot with such clarity and such depth and such beauty. It took him, I believe, 25 years to compile his book Mishnah Berurah. And when he came to print the book, you know, he was not a very wealthy man, but he had some money. At that time, when he came to print his book, he had nothing. He couldn't find anybody to help him. He went here, he went here. No one would want to help him. Imagine the zakhud that people had, that they could help him print the Mishnah Berurah. But he was struggling. 
But he said, the Yetzirah is never going to stop me. Never is going to stop me. He thinks he's going to stop me from printing this book. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to figure it out. The question is, how do you know when to give up your passport? Or you got to keep fighting. How does he know? You know, a lot, a lot of times in life we want to do something and we see this resistance. It's not going. It's not going. I don't see siyata dishmaya. It's not going. So when do I say, oh wow, that's a siman from Shemayim? That uh, no good. And when do I say, what do you mean? That's the yetzera. I'm going to keep going. He's not stopping me. So perhaps the answer is, and we can't always use this in our own, maybe ask your local orthodox authority for this. But there's a very big difference. When you're doing something that you know is right, that you know is good, then you don't stop. You just keep going. If you're not sure, you think it's good, but you're not really sure, and then things are not going, that could be a siman. Go check it out. All I'm saying is that not necessarily you should rush into everything. If you know something is right, if your mother asked you for something, you know it's right. Rush. If Hashem tells you to do it, rush. If there's something you're not sure about, make sure you know what it is first. We don't mean to be impulsive. We mean to be energetic and zariz. I was telling you by Rivka, the Torah says by Rivka, when he told her about the water, look at the words. Vatemaher, and she rushed. Vatored kadah. She lowered her jug al-yada to her hand. You know how long it takes to lower a jug from your shoulder to your hand? How long does that take? It's on your shoulder. It's a second. Yet the Torah says, Vatemaher. Vatemaher kada al-yada. That means even an act of a second can be done with zirizut. Think about that. Even something that takes, just to put a cup on the table for your husband, could be done with zirizut. It's a one second act. You could take it and put it, or you could take it and put it. The difference can hardly be noticed in real time. But in Torah glasses, Hashem says, look at this woman. She rushed to take the jug and put it on her head. And we read that and say, wow, she's rushing. What's she doing? It's a second act. But a zealous person, every act has energy behind it. There's nothing that we would do in life that we can't put a little more energy as we talk to our friends, as we walk somewhere, as we go anything and get involved with anything. Tonight's dinner could be done with zirizut. It's a different dinner. Tonight's conversation could be done with zirizut. Whether it's with your son, your daughter, your friend, your husband, it's a different conversation. It's the same words and it's the same time. But if you do it with energy, it's, a, it's hametz or matzah. I will end off by telling you, or before I end off, 
זה משנה פרקי אבות. הווה עז כאן נמר, we're not going to explain that today. The kal kanesher. Kal means light. Be light like the eagle. The eagle is light, flies. Question is, what's special about the eagle? Just say, be kal kaof. Ketzipor. Be kal like the birds. Why an eagle? So they say, I don't know this from my own, But they say that birds, when they fly, they go diagonal like an airplane. Mm. Meaning, it takes them time to take off. They don't just go up. They have to go slowly, diagonally, till they get to the height of their flight. But an eagle goes straight up. Mishnah says, Hevekal Kanesher. Don't ease into it like an airplane. Go straight up. You got to do something? Do it now. And do it quickly. There's a few different types of zerizut, and I want to just make you aware of them. And then the class is finished. One zerizut is the one we've been talking about, for the most part. The most famous one is when you're not doing something, and now you need to do something. So, don't wait. Do it. Get up. Do it now. That's zerizut number one. There's another kind of zerizut. This is zerizut while you're already doing something. It says by Sarah Imenu, that Sarah haita temima bema'aseha. Which means, sometimes you start quickly, Okay, you know, I basically know the work. I basically did the job. And you don't put in your energy to finish right. It's not only that you have to start right. But you have to be zariz while you're doing it. To make sure you finish the best way. That's what Abraham Avinu was all about. Torah says, not only he ran after them. Not only he fed them. Not only he did everything for them. When they left, Abraham Abraham, after all he did for them, he took them and greeted them all the way out to complete the mitzvah. Don't do things halfway. You need zerizut, not just to start, but to finish perfectly. And then, there is a certain type of zirizut. I once told you a story, by the way, about that. You probably remember this. It's a great story, but it's very fitting for this. I heard the story years ago, but it, I, I never forget it. it. It hurts me sometimes, as you'll see in a second why. Rav Moshe Feinstein, Aleva Shalom, the great gadol in this, in this city, he, was, he lived on the east side. He was leaving his Bet Knesset, He's going home a few blocks away. And somebody stopped his car and offered the gadola door a lift. The rabbi says, no, it's, it's okay, I'll walk. He says, right, please, come, I'll drive you. He gets in the car. He starts to drive him to his house. As he gets to the area where he needs to turn, he realizes there's a lot of traffic in that area. 
So it's going to take him an extra three minutes to turn the other way to go to his house. So he told the rabbi, Rabbi, if you don't mind, just get off over here instead of me going around. The rabbi said to him, I'm sorry, I can't get out over here. You need to drive me home. Could you imagine? The guy, the guy, okay, no problem. He drove him home, got into the door, but he was smart enough to ask the rabbi, what happened? What happened? When I asked you to give you a lift 10 minutes ago, you said, I'm fine. I drove you to your block, you're not getting out, what happened? He said, I want to teach you something. He says, you offered to drive me home. If you offer to drive me home, you don't finish until you drive me home. You complete what you started. I said, it hurts me. Because sometimes people on my block, there's boys on the block, I drive them home sometimes. I live in the beginning of the block. They live at the end of the block. So I say, you want to lift. I see them in shul, you want to lift. So the first time I said, big deal, it's on my block. But then I realized, if I dropped them in front of my house, they got to walk half the block. I remember Moshe Feinstein, I can't do that. I got to drive all the way to the end of the block, go all the way around, take the extra five minutes. But that's what it takes. You got to finish the job. So there's Zerizut before, and there's Zerizut during. Complete the job. Don't do it halfway. And then there's another kind of zerizut. And maybe you're not aware of this one. You know, it says by, we're going to read it in a few weeks, when Eliezer went to find the bride for Rivka. First of all, he goes for Yitzhak, excuse me. He finds he find the bride for Yitzhak. First thing he does, he goes to the well. He's by the well, the pasuk says, and he starts to pray. Hashem, the master of Abraham, Oh, the, the Hashem, the God of my master, please help me. He's all sudden he's praying. Question: Does Abraham need your prayers? Abraham is praying. You go get the girl for him. What is he praying for? Why is he praying? This is not his daughter. This is his son? He's doing Abraham's job. Abraham will pray. It's like we have people go to fight, people go to war, people learn. They do their job. You do your job. Second thing is, we see in that same parasha, very odd, when he sees this girl, and the pasuk says, before he sees there's a girl, here, let him, uh, this. Before he sees, he asks her, could you give me water? She gives her his camels. You all know the story. The pasuk says, when the camels finished drinking, and she finished. Ha'ish, the man took nezem zahab. He took a ring of gold, very heavy. Shnetzemidim. He gave her two bracelets. Asara zahab mishkala. Very nice. He's giving her a gift. Very nice. Always give a lady a gift. It's always a good thing. And jewelry <laughs> is the most important. It's important. Okay, we see already by Rivka. It's important. So let no woman feel bad. They like jewelry. It's something within the, 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 their genes. Great. <laughs> but what's odd about this gift is a very odd gift. Why? Because look at the next pasuk. Vayomer, and he says, Batmi'at, whose daughter are you? Remember, Abraham gave him very specific instructions. He told him, 
It's got to be from a certain family. If it's the wrong family, I don't care if she's a Baal Hesed, I don't care what she does. She's not coming into my family. He doesn't know who this girl is. He's still asking her who she is. So the question is, if she answered that she came from who knows who, then she's out. Why would he give her the bracelet and the ring? Why would he do that before? He gives it to her, and then he says, Bat miat. By the way, whose family are you? That's a waste of jewelry. <laughs> why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. So question one, why is praying? Question two, why is he giving jewelry before he asks her name? And the third question is, when, when he comes, they invite him to the house, she brings him back home, and the pasuk says that they put in front of them food to eat, dinner, Hazid, the guy's been traveling, they put dinner. Vayomer, and he says, look what he tells them, imagine someone offers you dinner. Lo ochal, I'm not eating. Ad asher dibarti debarai. I'm sorry. No drinks, no food. I have to tell you why I'm here. Relax. What are you doing? for dinner. Get to know them a little bit. Warm up a little bit. That's what I would do. Let's eat, let's joke, have a little word. And then you talk to them. They're your potential consuegro, these guys. You gotta, you gotta talk nice to them. They're offering you food? No. Imagine, imagine you consuegro came for the first time to meet you. You never met these people in your life. You don't know who they are from a hole in the wall. You serve them some cookies. You bring out some food. I will not eat till we discuss the shidduch. <laughs> you know what you would tell them? You tell them the shidduch is off. <laughs> who would do that? Lo ochal, I'm not going to eat until I tell you why I'm in. A little bit uh, abrupt, I think. That's question three. Why? Torah wrote it. That means there's a reason. And the fourth thing is... When they agreed, they agreed. He found the girl. You know what kind of miracle is? It's like choosing a needle in a haystack. You know what kind of, to find this girl that's going to be Matim? He found her. They told him, please, can we just have a week with this girl? Let us stay for a week, ten days. Just, you know, no, right? Teshev itanu anara yamim oasor Then let her go. Nice. Imagine someone comes for your daughter. Tell, listen, do me a favor. I want to make the wedding in a month. Month's pretty quick. One month. Please don't delay me. Please, I need to take her now. This morning, she was a single girl going to the well. And now, she has to go now with him. He can't wait. A week? Wait a few days. What's the rush? Why is he rushing? In a way that's not even appropriate. It's not a nice rush. You don't go to your kala and say, you know, you need to marry me tomorrow. That's not called zirizut. That's called tipshut. <laughs> you can't marry her tomorrow. She's got to get ready. What does that mean, marry her tomorrow? Why can't he wait? What's wrong with this man? You know what the answer is to this question? There's a power in zirizut that we haven't yet discussed. And it's going to help a lot in so many areas. Eliezer, if you remember, had a daughter. He thought his wish was that his daughter would marry Yitzhak. Like when he told him, Eli, what about me? 
So deep in his mind, somewhere, he'd rather this whole thing not work. He had a Yetzer Hara inside of him that didn't want this Shidduch to work. Because maybe, 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 if there's nobody around, that there's no one to marry, and you know what? Sometimes in the end you settle. Happens to the best of us. We wait, we wait, we wait for Prince Charming to come. He's the guy. He has to be tall and handsome and he's Talmud Hacham and wealthy and everything and everything and everything. And then every, every, every month goes by. You take one, one, one check off the list. In the end, if he walks and he talks, he's good. That's it. That's how it works. This is the system. So think, Eliezer's thinking, okay, Abraham has very high hopes for his only son, Yitzhak. But you know what? High hopes have a way of diminishing step by step. Maybe in the end, if this doesn't work out, it's perfect. So Eliezer, the whole time he has this burning, he knows it's wrong. He is not supposed to do that. But what do you do? Sometimes you want things that are not good. But you want them. And you can't control yourself. You need to do something. You shouldn't do it, but you want to do it. So what do you do in that situation? You know what he does? You know how he fights his yetzerah? He does everything bizrizut. He goes to the well. He starts praying. I got to fight this. How do you do it? Let me, let me get involved. As if I really want this. He starts praying for it. He sees that this might be the girl. He's afraid if he asks the name. And she tells him he might back out. He might run away. What does he do? He gives it to her right away. He doesn't want to waste a second. He's afraid. He's afraid that if he waits to hear the name and it works out, he might get run away from him. I'm giving it to her now. So this way, I don't do the wrong thing. I can't eat. He's afraid. He's going to sit down and eat. Be comfortable. Zerizut. And that's why... He doesn't want to wait. He's afraid. Zerizut is a very big color that can fight the Yetzirah. Which means if there's something in your life that you know isn't good for you, but you have a desire for it. Zerizut, in different ways obviously, can be a tremendous tool to help you avoid the things you don't and shouldn't be doing. It's another power of Zerizut. And the last thing, very quickly, it's over, is that not only does simha produce zirizut, like we said, but Hazal tell us, let's say a person is not sameh. Not sameh. We didn't learn about simha yet. It'll be a few more weeks. So uh, right now, I'm not sameh. What should I do? We're going to walk out of here. I told you that simha brings zirizut. If you walk out of here, not sameh, you don't have zerizut. Hazal say no. There's another relationship of zerizut to simha. That if you're not sameach, so zerizut doesn't come naturally to you. But if you want to be sameach, manufacture zerizut. It's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be so light for you because you're not really into it. But fake it. I mean, when you walk out of here and you're going somewhere, make believe that you want to do it. Make believe. Go out with energy. Zerizut produces simha. Not only simha produces zerizut. I bless you all that you should have 
and myself included, this midah of zerizut in everything that we do, from before, during, after, we should have a life of zerizut and a life of greatness that's produced by simha. Have a wonderful day. Amen. Amen. Amen.